0: This message is presented to you by Pastor James Moore and New Life Community Church in Kansas City, Missouri. For more information or to donate, please visit newlifekc.com. How many have ever heard it said, it's not necessary to join the church in order to be a Christian? I hear it all the time. And I imagine that's the way most of your unchurched neighbors feel. They probably wonder what you're doing getting up so early on Sunday mornings. Oh, I'm sure they think it's all right to visit a church now and then, you know, on weddings, funerals, and holy days, but join the church? Why would anybody do that? Of course, now, we do know that in today's age, we, there's an antipathy towards organized religion. We know that. It's not uncommon to hear someone say, oh, you know, maybe say that they're religious in some fashion, but they just don't like organized religion. But here's a fact. Christianity is an organized religion. It's a corporate body in which you hold membership. In fact, that's that's what happened at Pentecost. That's what Pentecost was all about. Things were brought together into a oneness and into an organized body that was formed. Paul called the church the body of Christ. Now, I don't think the body of Christ is unorganized. You ever seen anybody who maybe didn't have all their faculties? They weren't organized, walking around, you know, you know whistling and look, talking to themselves and seeing, you know, you, you know, they're just not quite, things aren't right. Maybe one leg's not working right. It kind of does whatever it wants. Well, you know, hey, listen to the head here. You know, it's organized. So anyway, he's called the body of Christ. And you may recall the mission that was assigned by Jesus himself. He said, go and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to obey all I have commanded. Therefore, the mission of the church, you know, the body of Christ, is to transform the world, how? By making disciples. And then just before Jesus left the earth and ascended to heaven, he told his followers this. He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. And... On the day of Pentecost, it happened just as Jesus said. His disciples were all together, one place. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues. And although people were gathered in the streets of Jerusalem, the Bible says, from every nation under heaven, not just the people nearby, every nation under heaven, even though that was the truth, everyone heard them in their own language. Now, some believe the miracle was that the disciples were able to speak many foreign languages they had not learned. Others, including me, believe the disciples all spoke one language, and the miracle was in the ability of everyone to hear it in their own language. But whether you believe the miracle was in the speaking or you believe the miracle was in the hearing, it was still a miracle. And that miracle produced a shared passion. And you know what their shared passion was? Jesus. Will you say that name with me? Jesus. No, you got to say it louder than that. Jesus. And their passion brought a oneness. We are one in the bond of love. We are one in the bond of love. We have joined our spirits with the Spirit of God. We are one in the bond of love. Okay, you can sing that better. Let's do it again. We are one in the bond of love. We are one in the bond of love. We have joined our spirits with the Spirit of God. We are one. In the bond of love. And their passion for Christ and their oneness resulted in an outbreak of praise. Praise Him. Praise Him and lift Him up. I'm talking about Jesus. Praise Him. Exalt His name forever. I said praise Him. Praise Him and lift Him. Yeah! And the church was born for the glory of God. Peter then preached the very first Christian sermon. He did that to explain what had happened to them. He said that when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, a new age was created. And people who make the choice to leave the old age and enter the new age, these people make up the community we call the church. Well, the Bible tells us when he finished his sermon, the crowd felt convicted. And they asked, well, what are we to do? And Peter's response was, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Listen, friends, from Pentecost all the way to today, a choice must be made. Who are you going to give your loyalty to? Where is it going to be given? Will it be to the world as it is or the, to the world as it will someday be? What, will your loyalty be to the old age or to the new age? Will it be to the kingdoms of this world or to the kingdom of God that was inaugurated and revealed to the world in Jesus Christ? I appreciate the way the early Methodist church tried to make this as clear as possible. In the early days, the first question that the church asked those who wanted to join the church was this. They said, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? And it was only when they were willing to do that, only when they had made that vow, that they were asked the second question, which was, do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior? Put your whole trust in His grace and promise to serve Him as your Lord in union with the church. In other words, there was a requirement. A person was required to make a clear choice between the present age and the kingdom that Christ came to inaugurate, they had to do that before they could join the church. I think the early Methodist church would have been big fans of the famous Bob Dylan song that says, you got to serve somebody. <laughs> might be the devil, might be the Lord, but you got to serve somebody. As Jesus himself said, whoever is not with me is against me. Listen, it was true when Jesus was on the earth, it was true at Pentecost, and it's still true for us today. Prior to salvation, prior to church membership, we are required to choose whom we will serve. Let's take a look at the biblical description of the church that's recorded in the second chapter of Acts. Well, you just well uh, put it up. Let, yeah, let's. Will you read this with me? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I am still moved by that description. Are you aware that almost every Sunday for over three decades I have stepped into some pulpit to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ? It's true. For most of my adult life, the local church has captured my heart, my mind, my strength, and my deepest devotion. I can honestly tell you That today, friends, I believe in her mission, the church's mission, more than ever before. I am convinced that the local church is God's best hope for humanity. Now, what makes a church great is not the building, uh, nor is it the music, not even the preaching. No. What makes a church great, listen, are its people. People joined together as the body of Christ, bringing hope and healing to a hurting world. And it is, too, that high and holy calling that I invite you to consider today. I'd like to use the remainder of our time this morning talking about what it means to be a member of a local church and I'll form it in the phrase of a question why would anybody in the 21st century want to be a member of a church why join the church any church and number one The first reason or one reason we ought to join the church is God has created us with a need to belong. In several opinion polls over the last 10 years, George Gallup has repeatedly said this, Americans are more religious than ever. They just don't care much for churches and religious organizations. In other words, they're believers, but they're not joiners. Most of us here, or many of us here, are old enough to remember September 11th, 2001. The world seemed, on that day, to stop turning. We discovered we did not want to be alone. People suddenly realized their need to belong. They realized their need for a a faith to carry on, so they went to church And they held hands with a stranger. And they said a prayer in the midst of danger. You know, there's a phrase in the New Testament that has captured my imagination for a number of years. And you can find it in the epistles, you know, those letters that describe the theology and the community of the early church. Just two simple little words that show up again and again and again. And those words are one another. If you want a little exercise, read the letters of the New Testament and underline how often they say one another. I'll give you just a few. Love one another. Encourage one another. Edify one another. Fellowship with one another. Confess your faults to one another. Forgive one another. Pray for one another. Minister to one another. Bear one another's burdens. There is a truth that I hope you'll hear and embrace this morning. In fact, you may want to write it down. Nobody's making any moves to write this down. Is this thing? There's a truth I hope you'll embrace this morning. In fact, you may want to write it down. Are you ready? We will never achieve Christian maturity apart from Christian community. Did you get that? You see, the resources of our interior lives and the influences of a few like minded friends are not enough. We need the support of a community of people who are both like us and are different from us. We need to belong. I'm sure most of you have seen the familiar V formation when the flock of geese flies over. You know, in some ways, geese are smarter than people. First of all, you never see them flying alone. Do you? No. No. They always fly together, and and by flying in this uplifting wake of the goose in the front, the whole flock adds at least 70% to its total flying range. These geese have learned something that the rest of us need to learn. All of their honking (laughs) is the encouragement of one goose to another to keep going. Uh, 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 you've heard them. Keep going. Keep at it. Don't quit. And when one goose falls because it's wounded or it becomes ill, at least two other geese will swoop down and stay with it until it's restored to the flock. See, this is an illustration of the local church. Lovingly. Encouraging one another. God tells us that it's not good for man to be alone. The Bible says we should not forsake the gathering of ourselves together. Jesus even said, he who does not gather with me scatters. So why join a church? (laughs) Well, if for no other reason, (laughs) we're better together than we are alone. But more than that, deep in the human soul, is a hunger and a need to belong. uh, This need is inherent in creation. And God, in his infinite wisdom, has provided the local church, the community, to meet that need to belong. So we need to belong. And in the second place, people join a church because there's a deep need to understand through the years, I've conducted over a hundred funerals. Some for teenagers and children. I've tried to comfort spouses who have been left for another person. I've been thrust into the responsibility of trying to care for widows and children as they walk through the shadow of death. I have prayed for those who are suffering with painful ailments. I've watched parents literally age in front of me as they grieve over their wayward children. And the questions are always the same. Why do bad things happen to good people? Where is God when it hurts? Where's the answer to the riddle of suffering? Why is hate so strong? Why do good people go astray? Well, I certainly don't claim to have all the answers. But I do know that God is love, and he never makes mistakes. Everybody needs to know that. Everybody needs to know that Jesus can save. Everybody needs to know that forgiveness is possible. Everybody needs to know that there's no trouble that lasts forever. Everybody needs to know that things are not always what they seem to be. But how will they know? Unless there's a community of faith that's not afraid of the questions. Unless there are people not timid about pointing the way to the one who does have the answers. Oh, listen, I'm keenly aware that the church is not perfect. (laughs) After all, it's a human institution, which means it's frail. It's flawed. It can get caught up in trivial things that won't matter at all in the light of eternity. Sadly, in its history, the church has even had times of being spectacularly sinful. But it doesn't have to be that way. No, the church can be a mighty force for good, moving people toward faith, moving people toward hope, moving people toward love. Listen, Pentecost shows us that there is a spirit in the church that is different than the spirit of the age. For you see, it's the Holy Spirit that gives life and freedom and guidance. And for that reason, when we compare the church with all other institutions, we can rejoice because there is none like her. None like the church. So why join a church? Well, because there are times in a person's life when they need answers to the deep questions. And the third reason to join a church is because we need to make a difference. The church is not a country club. Oh sure, everyone's welcome to attend. Everyone's welcome to participate in our ministries with no particular pressure to join. We don't charge at the door. Our services are free. So (laughs) why not enjoy the benefits without assuming the commitments and responsibilities that come with membership? Yeah, well, I can answer that question for you. Why not, why not enjoy it without assuming any commitments? Because I want to participate in a partnership that will make a difference in the world. You may say, well, listen, there are plenty of government and social programs to help people. They even have laws against child neglect and they have counseling to help people walk through unresolved anger. They have schools to teach basic skills. Agencies to help people find jobs. And guess what? That's fine. But no one can transform a human being except God. Only God can mend the heart and make us new again. And he birthed the church, to be the body of Christ, his son, on the earth. For you see, the church is in the disciple-making business. We believe that born-again Christians are literally new creations. We believe that children raised in Jesus' name will never forget it. We believe that life transformation is possible. We're in the people serving business. We find a need, we try to fill it. We see a hurt, we try to heal it in Jesus' name. This is what the church about the church is about. So why join a church? Because I believe this. I believe that deep down in the depths of your heart. You want to make a difference in a hurting world. And finally, the fourth reason to join a church is we need to keep hope alive. Hope is the church's business. We're hope peddlers. And the reason we're people of hope, you know why? is because we know the final score. We know who finally wins in this riddle we call life. That's why, no matter what the circumstances, we live as people of faith and hope. See, that's who we strive to be. And by the way, that's the kind of people I want to be around. I remember one pastor telling about a guy in his congregation. A guy's name was Charlie Hitt. And Charlie wore extremely thick glasses hearing aid in each ear, didn't own a car, so he hitchhiked six miles to church every Sunday morning. He sat on the front row near the center aisle, always sang about three measures behind everybody else when they sang a song. On his way out every Sunday, he would tell the pastor a whole sermon related to the title of the sermon in the bulletin, You see, he hadn't heard a single word the pastor said, so he just made up his own sermon. One day someone asked him, Charlie, why do you even bother coming to church? You can't see, you can't hear, you don't have any way to get here, why don't you just stay home? Little Charlie hit with a twinkle in his eye, said, oh, come Sunday I'll always be in church because I want all my neighbors to know whose side I'm on. Why join the church? Here's why. So that come Sunday, the whole world will know what side you're on. Well, in conclusion, if I haven't already said it, let me declare now. With all my heart and soul, I continue to believe that the local church, the body of Christ on earth, is God's best hope for humanity. And that's why I will continue to encourage you to give yourself to the work of the Lord. It's a noble work. So will you? Will you join in the effort To make an eternal difference by bringing hope to a lost world. Let's tell the world. And let's make sure that on any given Sunday, the whole world will know what side you and I are on. Because they see us gathered together with other believers to worship and to grow as followers of Christ. Are you receiving the word today? If you are, will you say amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For more information, please visit newlifekc.com.